We are so glad you've joined us today. If God is doing something in your life through this ministry, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at live at trinitynwa.com to tell us your story. You can also go online to give to this ministry by going to trinitynwa.com and clicking the red Give Online button. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to experience more content, visit our website or subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to talk today for a few minutes about uh, Rahab and the Scarlet Cord. So you don't get Pastor D, but you get his message. These are his notes, and I'm going to do my best to uh, bring this message to you today. So many messages have been preached about the scarlet cord that Rahab dropped out of her window in the Old Testament. What it was, what it represented, what it meant to her family. All is good information, perhaps, but not the focus of our thought for today. Today we are more interested in the significance of Rahab's salvation. Rahab's salvation. The children of Israel, under Joshua's leadership... We're about to start possessing the promised land. Okay, so they're, they're on the verge of taking this land that God promised to them generations ago. He promised it to their forefather Abraham when Abraham came out of a land called Ur, which would be like present-day Iraq. And God would go before these people, and he would help these people to take possession of this land. And they go through and they just they begin to conquer peoples, people who uh, God said had done many, many wicked things. And God was, in a way, using Israel as a tool of judgment to punish these people uh, in the ancient land of Palestine. But God was going before them. It was all God because Israel had spent 400 years in Egypt as slaves. They weren't warriors. They weren't wealthy, although they did they were able to plunder Egypt on their way out of Egypt. But they were not the greatest, but they were the least. But God chose them anyway because he showed his glory through them. And he's, he's taken them through. And uh, spies were sent out to check out the very first big city that they had to attack, the city of Jericho. And we know historically that it was a large and a very powerful city. Jericho's walls humanly speaking, would be impossible to breach, would not be able to get through. But these walls would just fall down, as the Lord said, in a few days after the people were obedient to God's instructions to attack. So two men enter into the city and they're hidden by Rahab. These are Israeli spies. And when the king of Jericho hears that they've come into the city, he tries to capture them, but she hides them. And when she feels that it's safe enough to send them out on their way with uh, instructions that will save their life, she lets them go. And they tell her, hey, you leave this scarlet cord hanging in your window, and when we come back, we'll know which house is yours. See, because her house was literally built into the wall of the city. So, as a show of gratitude, like I said, they tell her they're coming back and they're going to save her and all those who are with her because of her kindness. And so the scarlet cord immediately becomes more than just a piece of cloth. It now has become the life rope for her and her entire family. I'll bet you that she checked to make sure that that rope was there every single day, wouldn't you? I mean, if this rope was the very means by which you were going to be saved, you and your family, 
I mean, I would probably tie a rope to the rope, you know, and tie that rope to my ankle, you know. So it's like, whatever you do, children, don't mess with the red rope hanging out the window or it's going to be your backside. I bet you she checked it all the time. Never has she given so much attention to any other item in her house as she gave to this because the scarlet cord was her ticket to salvation and to life. So what do we know about Rahab from the scripture? Number one, we know that she was a harlot. In other words, a prostitute. Almost every place in the Bible where she is mentioned, she is called Rahab the harlot. Now, there have been attempts made to uh, aid her reputation by saying that maybe the word meant innkeeper or hostess. Yet, that word appears over and over. And maybe, probably, she was or had been a prostitute. And even if she was, to us, that just shows the greatness of the grace of God, right? That God can use anyone. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. There is grace that is greater than all of our sin. No matter who you are or where you've been, the scarlet cord can also be a lifeline for you too. Number two, we know that she was living in very real danger. Her whole city was just days away from being annihilated. The future of this place was doomed because God had said so. People were living out their last days in this city, unsaved and unaware, but not her, not Rahab the harlot. She was taking this warning very seriously, as we all should take the warning of judgment to come very seriously. All of this, everything that we see, our life, the world, the universe as we know it will end one day. Maybe soon, we don't know. So we should all, like Rahab, take the fact that judgment will come as a very serious thing because the Bible is very clear. While God is all loving, he is definitely all just and all holy as well. It's not two separate things. It's the difference. It's a different side of the same coin. God's love and his holiness requires that he also be just. He is a just judge. Any judge that is worth the salt will hand down a sentence that is just. And God is no different. He's the most just of all judges. But all of all of this was about to end for her. Her city was about to be destroyed. But it, it was the scarlet cord that was going to be her salvation. So the question for us today is, is the scarlet cord in the window of our soul? Is the scarlet cord in the window of our soul? Number three, we know that she was wiser than the rest of her entire city. Regardless of her past, present, or the place that she was in now, she was wise enough to know that things were about to change and that she needed someone to save her. She needed help, and she knew that. The scarlet cord was her only hope. If others mocked her window decoration, she cared not. Why? Because she knew in what she hoped. She knew in who she hoped and the promise that had been given to her. It didn't matter what other people thought or said. She knew what the imminent future held and she was ready. Are we ready? Are we ready for what is coming? Hopefully, we know as much as she did. 
And hopefully we are wise enough to keep the scarlet cord waving in the window of our soul. Finally, the day came for the invasion. Joshua may have been reminding himself at this time as they're about to take on this massive city of the encouragement that God had given him for days like this. You remember in Joshua 1.9, the Lord said, I have commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't tremble or be terrified because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now he will challenge his warriors, Joshua will, to carry out this battle plan, to have faith in God. They will march. They will blow the ram's horn. They will shout and then they will attack. And you know, uh, some of you may have seen these uh, documentaries on, on the History Channel and different things about archaeological digs at Jericho where they have evidence of walls falling flat on other walls. There would have been maybe possibly layers of walls, an outer wall and an inner wall. And they've done digs that actually suggest that the walls fell exactly like the Scripture describes that they did. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Let's look. At the text, though, Joshua 6, 16, if you have your Bible and you want to go there very quickly, Joshua 6, 16, that's uh, the, where we're at, the, the particular episode that we're talking about right now. It says that when they went around the seventh time, the priest blew their ram's horns. Joshua said to the troops, shout because the Lord has given you the city. The city has been claimed by the Lord. Everything in it belongs to the Lord. Only the prostitute Rahab and all who are in the house with her will live because she hid the messengers that we sent. Then in verse 22, but Joshua said to the two spies, go to the prostitute's house, bring the woman out along with everything that she has as you swore you would do for her. The spies went and they brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers everything she had and even all of her relatives and they gave them a place outside the camp of israel verse 25 joshua spared the prostitute rahab her father's family and everything she had amazing story isn't it just surreal uh, that this one woman um, how god reached into her life uh, in divine providence no doubt because we do know that Rahab was an ancestor of King David and eventually of Jesus himself. That they end up in the lineage of this woman who was, in that day and that time, would have been seen as nothing, as someone to be discarded. And yet the Savior of the world in his flesh came out of the, the lineage. She was an ancestor of Jesus. Amazing. She and her people, they were saved. But why? We listed what we know about her. Now let's list what she knew. Rahab knew what she knew that in order to be saved. Number one, she knew that she had to surrender. Rahab knew that she had to surrender. While her city prepared to fight, she prepared to surrender. What a contradiction, huh? What a paradox. She knew that what God had done for his people before they got there, he would do again. That this city was going to fall just like every other place had fell. And that she better surrender. She knew that, that their God was the God that opened up the Red Sea, that turned a rock into drinking fountain, that dried up the Jordan River so that they could cross, that fed them manna and quail every day in the wilderness. She may not have been real wise in her past, but she was going to be wise from here on out. She was ready to surrender to her only hope of salvation. And this is what it takes to be saved today. It's still that paradox of thinking. 
In conventional wisdom, we think that we have to try to fix ourselves. That's what the world will tell you, right? Improve yourself. Do better. Read books. Study. Learn. Be healthy. And you can fix yourself. You can save yourself. You can become your own God. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we must surrender to what Jesus has done on the cross. See, the scarlet cord that ran down her wall many, many thousands of years ago continued on when it ran down the cross of Calvary. And it still runs today. The scarlet cord is still the only hope of salvation today. It's the blood of Jesus for the sins of the world. And the way to win is to surrender. I love the kingdom of God because it's so paradoxical. It flips conventional wisdom on its head. And God says to people, you think you're so smart. You think you know what to do. No, you don't have to be smart. You don't have to to try harder. You have to trust harder. You have to surrender harder. Give up your life. Die to yourself and you will truly live. You will truly understand what it means to be alive Only when you surrender. Beautiful. She knew that she must trust, number two. Not in her nationality or her morality, but in a simple scarlet cord. The cord would not in itself save her. Her trust in the word of the warriors of the cord was in place. That was her hope. The cross itself doesn't save us. It's the Savior on the cross that saves us. The cross is a thing just like anything else, just like the scarlet cord was a thing. But when we trust in the one with the power to enforce the covenant, the power to keep the promise that he made, that's where the real power is, church. Jesus and only Jesus can execute the promise that he's made. No one else has the authority to guarantee your salvation to save you from what is coming. Only Jesus can save you and bring you all the way safely to heaven. You have got to trust him like Rahab trusted the word of the warriors that day. What she trusted in stood when what everybody else trusted in crumbled in defeat. Can't you see the picture here? They trusted in their strength. Like I said, they trusted in their own wisdom. But yet she trusted in a small scarlet cord. And today we trust in that scarlet stream of blood that ran down the cross that the world says is what? Foolishness. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is salvation and power to those who are being saved. And the carnal mind cannot understand these things. The mind that has not been touched by the power of the Spirit of God cannot comprehend the gospel. It's foolishness. It's stupid. Those stupid Christians, they're so weak-minded. They need Jesus. They need their cross. They need their crutch. They cannot understand. And we pray that the Spirit of God will come to them and enlighten them and empower them and draw them to salvation so that they can see like we do. I don't, I don't talk about them to put them down. I talk about them this morning to make the comparison to show you how Jesus, through His blood, can save all of humanity. And all we have to do is surrender and have faith. And the third thing we have to do, we have to do exactly what Rahab did. We must obey. It says she knew that she must obey. She had to stay in the house. She had to stay by the scarlet thread. 
be in the house when it all went down. She couldn't stray away from the room where the cord was tied because she didn't know when the destruction of the city would come. Knowing about the cord while you're three blocks away on the day of the attack wouldn't save you. You have to, she had to stay in the house, stay by the promise, and we have to stay in the house, stay in the people of God, stay in the word of God, stay in the fellowship of believers, stay in communication with our Savior through prayer and study of his word. If we obey and we stay, we will be saved. The Bible talks over and over again, especially in Revelation, you hear the language of to those that endure to the end, they will be saved. And if you truly belong to Jesus, if you truly have the scarlet thread hanging in the window of your soul, you will endure till the end. The Holy Spirit is God's promise and a seal in your life. He's a deposit into your life the saying, I'm coming back to fulfill what I've started. If you obey and you stay, you'll be saved. Take no chances. Don't get lazy or careless, but stay and obey just like Rahab did. She knew that that was paramount to her salvation. No one would be asking. They would only save the ones in the house with the scarlet cord. All this she knew. She took heed to surrender while everybody else was trying to prepare to fight. She trusted in the scarlet cord while the city trusted in its walls and in its strength. And she obeyed the command that was given to her by her saviors. We must do the same thing. And at the end of that day, when the city was a pile of rubble and all of its inhabitants were dead, she and her family alone were safe in the care of their saviors. Joshua six twenty three. The spies went and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, everything she had, even all of her relatives. They gave them a place outside the camp of Israel. And there is a place for us, not outside the camp, but inside the camp, in the house of God, in the body of Christ today. If we surrender, if we trust and if we obey, keep the scarlet cord in the window of your soul. You see, God had a, a, a great future for Rahab, regardless of her past, regardless of her failures. As I told you earlier, King David and even our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would both one day come from her lineage. I love a God that would bring us a Savior from the lineage of a prostitute. Wow. That's grace. That is unmerited favor. That is love beyond description and understanding. That's the love of our God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. No one like our God. No one and nothing. He loves us, church. He loves us no matter where we have been or what we have done. You are never too far gone. And if you're one of those people that you just can't believe that God loves you, well, just take my word for it. He does. And it doesn't matter what you feel right now because feelings can be deceiving. Emotions can be deceiving. But God's word is truth and it does not change. So what you're feeling is something that you're struggling with. It's a lie of the enemy against you. But what God says about you is true. And that is from 
Jeremiah 29, 11, which pastor has here in his notes. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not disaster. Plans to give you a future filled with hope. Then you will call to me. You will come and pray to me and I will hear you. When you look for me, you will find me when you wholeheartedly seek me. I will let you find me, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have scattered you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from the place where you are being held captive. And if I understand correctly, this is the prophet Jeremiah writing this before the people of Israel had been carried away to Babylon. So even before the judgment began, mercy and grace had already begun to simultaneously with it. So the judgment and the condemnation that you feel in your heart today, whatever it is and however great it is, you have to also accept and understand the truth that there is grace and mercy and that there is a plan for you. See, the children of Israel, they turned their back on God. And God allowed them to be taken away. But even before he allowed them to be taken away, he planned to bring them back in his mercy and in his grace. He's got a plan for you, church. He has a plan for you, person, individual, for your life. And if you will call on the name of the Lord, if you will turn from whatever it is that keeps you from him and run to him, he is there waiting for you. And the Holy Spirit will do his work in your life. I can't tell you exactly what it's going to look like. I can't tell you exactly what it's going to feel like. I can't tell you exactly at the rate of speed at which you will change and what will happen in your life. But I know that it will happen because it's happened in my life. And I've seen it happen in your lives. God is faithful concerning his promises. You see, Rahab responded to the scarlet cord. And we can and must do the same. The scarlet river of Jesus' blood that flowed down the cross and still flows for us today. All we have to do, church, is we have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe. Believe He is who He said He is and turn from our sin and put our trust in what He did and in nothing that we can do. And then keep that scarlet cord tied in the window of your soul and be ready for his coming. Amen. What a powerful word. What a powerful picture. I love the the powerful imagery here because we know now we can see that that scarlet cord was a type and it was a picture. It was a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus that would be shed. And it would save us from certain destruction. We do not deserve to be saved. We deserve to be punished because we have all sinned. And according to God's perfect standard, we all fall way short, every one of us. But thanks be to God, amen, who is rich in mercy and love and grace. Thanks be to God that his grace outweighs his justice, amen. Hallelujah. And that while there is time, salvation is for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Stand with me today. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. We're getting ready to pray.
Maybe you're here today and you need to be saved. You need Jesus and you know it. You know, you know, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you know that you have never surrendered your life to Christ. You have never trusted in what he did on the cross for you and you do not obey his word. But you're ready today. You're ready right now. You feel the tug of the Holy Spirit on your heart. And you're like, I'm ready to be saved today. If that's you, just throw your hand up right where you are. That's me. Pray with me today. I'm ready to surrender. Anybody here today, just throw your hand up. I'm ready today to surrender my life to Christ. To surrender my life to the one who gave it all for me. I've never heard of such a great love. Is there anyone today? If so, make it plain where I can see it. Lift it high. Maybe today. And I trust that all of us, uh, according to that appeal and to that call, we, we would all say that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, that we have surrendered, that we have trusted. But maybe we're struggling to obey. Because sometimes we do, right? It's hard. Because the battles that we face daily are real and they're strong. We still deal with this selfish, sinful nature that lives inside of us that the Bible calls the flesh. Wants what it wants. And what it wants is opposite opposite to what the Spirit of God wants in us. So maybe you've struggled to obey and you feel the conviction of that sin in your life. Guess what? The Holy Spirit's working in your life. Things are going. You're not. God doesn't want you to sin. He's not pleased with sin. But if you feel conviction, that, mean, that means you belong to God. That means you're His child. He's disciplining you like any good father would discipline their children. And He's saying, come back. Turn away from that thing. Put that thing down. Lay your burden down. And run to me, child. I love you. What I have for you is so much better. Even if you can't understand it, trust me as your father. I got you. And if you're here today and you're struggling with anything, or you just want to pray in general, we're going to open up the altars. We're going to sing one more song. And I would like to ask all of our staff that are available and all any prayer uh, team members that we have available to please join me down here. We're just going to be here in case you want someone to pray with you during this last song. Chas, Stephen and Chastity, Brad and Angela, anybody I can't see, staff members and, and prayer team members, just spread out across the front just in case somebody needs a person to pray with them. These people are here because uh, because they're trusted, they're approved, and they're here to pray with you if you need it. So I'm going to ask uh, Shelly to lead us. And as we do, if you want to pray, come join us or, or make a space where you are or wherever you feel led to do. Amen.